Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. Um, As we approach the end of 2018, uh, many entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and businesses are kind of busy preparing for their um, sales and business plan for 2019. Um, my thought was that it would be a perfect time to host someone that is consulting, inspiring, promoting, and guiding entrepreneurs, CEOs, and others, and ask him, how should we prepare to, for 2019? What do we need to prepare for a new year? What are the key issues we must consider? And other relevant questions that can help us pave a road for a, you know, a successful and growing uh, 2019. My guest this morning is Kyle Wilson. He's a strategist, marketer, producer, speaker, and number one bestseller author. Kyle is also the founder of Jim Ron International, YourSuccessStore.com, and LessonsFromNetwork.com. Good morning, Kyle. Welcome to Taking Care of Business, and thank you for being my guest this morning. Hey, good morning, David. Great to be here. Uh, by the way, how was my y'all, being, you being in Texas, and um, you know, I'm practicing? <laughs> I was going to mention that. Good job. Thank you. Well, it, it comes with uh, having a, a, a daughter-in-law from Dallas. It comes with that. I had to learn how to use the y'all. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, did I miss anything on your list? Or I covered basically most of it. Well, it seems to know, me that I missed a few. Well, it's funny. I, you know, I've read your list, right? Because we're doing a project together. And yeah. how could you fit all that in, right? <laughs> I, I would say I did Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur Soul with Mark yeah. and Jack. We partnered on that. And uh, yeah, multiple other things. But no, you, you hit the highlights. Thank you so much. Well, I got to know Kyle through Chad Hughes. Chad was one of my guests uh, in September, and he was part of a book recently published by Kyle called Purpose, Passion, and Profit. Uh, by the way, I have three copies I gave to his presents. Great book. Thank you for my, uh, so much. Um, and, um, you know, Chad shared his experience uh, working with Kyle uh, on the book, and you know, he drew me to contact you, Kyle, and, and I'm happy that uh, you agreed to be my guest and share with us your wealth of experience in the business world. Now, we have, you know, time to discuss everything about business later in the show, as I mentioned to you before we, we, go, we went on air, that we have three segments. But right now, we would like to get to know you better. This is kind of the segment that shows uh, every every. Every show, every guest has to go through, and that is, okay, we know you're from Texas, but where did you grow up? Where were you? Where's home? Where was? Yeah, yeah I actually, actually grew up in a small town in Texas, a, a town called Vernon, Texas, and I moved to Dallas at age 26. started my first real business at age 19. and uh, ended What up, was it? It, it was actually a detail shop, and I mean, I was selling stuff to the neighbors, you know, at age six, right? Like most entrepreneurs, (laughs) I was doing multiple things, but my first real job that I was the, the owner and it was a a retail business was at age 19. And that just grew and grew and grew to eventually I had 10 employees and we were open 24 seven. It was a service station on the highway. And I was never a car guy. It wasn't even like 
that's what I was. And uh, eventually, you know, I, I sold everything and I moved to Dallas and uh, at age 26. Right. And quite serendipitously, by age 28, I'm in the seminar business and uh, and eventually lived all over the country. Uh, me and my wife would go to events in Chicago, Washington, D.C., wherever it may be. And we would go live there for, you know, three months and put on a big event with Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy or Ogmandino, get a couple of thousand people. And that was the early 90s. And in 1993, I made Jim, uh, Jim Rohn an offer he couldn't refuse. And I launched Jim Rohn International and eventually your success store. And, you know, the rest is history. I see. But let's go back a little bit with history. Anyone in your family has kind of this passion to be an entrepreneur, siblings, parents, or, you know, you grew up on your own and then you kind of paved the way for yourself? That's a great question. I would say no one in my immediate family was an entrepreneur. My dad was in sales and he taught me some amazing principles. He was an extremely hard worker. He was honest to the bone. So he always taught me about be honest, uh, do the right thing. And, uh, you know, my parents were both givers. They, they were generous to other people. And so I had great examples. But my grandfather, I'm told, was an entrepreneur. But again, I grew up in the small town during an interesting time. You know, it was 60s and 70s. And there wasn't a lot of entrepreneurship Actually, well, I guess there was. You know, there were retail stores that local people owned. So that was that was entrepreneurship as you have you're a farmer <laughs> or you own a retail store, which is pure entrepreneurship, which is very different than today, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so I feel like I've had to reinvent myself multiple times, you know, uh, filling up big rooms before the Internet and then discovering the Internet and learning to adapt to that. Now, you know, social media, I think, is a big, a big play And so, you know, marketing is marketing, uh, entrepreneurship is entrepreneurship, and if you are one, if you is one, as I used to like to say, uh, you know, you're going to adapt and, and pivot and reinvent. I see. And, um, you know, growing up, you mentioned that you started selling to your neighbors at age six. I don't want to know what you sold at age six. I, I don't know if it was legal at the time for <laughs> kids at age six. But uh, what kind of a kid were you? Were you a sports guy, active, uh, bookworm? What did you, you know what, what did you sell at age six? I want to know. Yeah, I would, I would have vegetables. I would grow like tomatoes and go sell. And little did I know my neighbors were only buying them to support their neighbor, right? Or I would buy Christmas cards, you know, and go sell those or uh, seeds, a variety of things, right? That yeah. uh, I, I grew up a little bit um, independent. Like I, I was a lot younger than my older siblings and my parents were in their 40s when they had me. So I had a lot of independence. Mm -hmm. And I mostly back then, just like today, I did trial and error. I definitely was not a bookworm. I definitely was not academic. I was good at math, horrible at English. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I it was trial and error. It was just pure experimentation. I, I loved sports. I, you know, um, would play sports, but I, I think, um, being from Texas, I guess football is yeah, the right one. football, baseball, basketball, all of it. Uh, so I was always involved in sports, but yeah, I think more than anything, David, it was out of ignorance and curiosity. I just experimented a lot. Yeah. 
Now, as a child, you know, you start, as you said, you, you started getting your ventures uh, active at age six and, and selling uh, vegetables and, and Christmas cards. So as a kid, what was your dream to be when you grew up? Was it to have a detail shop or was it to be an inspiring uh, consultant and, and, and speaker? Yeah, none of that. I mean, I think, <laughs> I sure, like, again, detail shop, that happened like, uh, you know, that was a, jo- I actually had a job in high school at a car dealership. And so when I started that business at eight, age 19, it was just a fallback on something I could bring value. And so, no, I was never driven other than maybe fantasy thinking, you know, being great at sports. That would have been my fantasy. But I don't think I had any role models at all for what I, what I went on to do. And so... Um, I can't say I had any, you know, visions at all mm-hmm. as far as what I would do. University, college, did you spend any time there? No, no, I, uh, I skipped college. And um, yeah, I, I'm not, it's like I remember in one interview, they said, wow, to run Jim Run International, you must have been quite a, a teenager. And I'm like, well, you know, I, you know, candidly, I did drugs and I made a lot of mistakes and, but I think that led me to, at age 19, having a major pivot in my life where it's like, okay, I've done all that. Now I am ready to get my life on track. Mm-hmm. And again, how I got in the seminar business was totally serendipitous. There is nothing I did to merit getting in this business and then the incredible fortune of meeting Jim Rohn early on Then. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, David, for me, has gotten back to one of the things Jim teaches. He's, he said, be valuable to the marketplace. And so everything I've ever done, it's like, how can I bring value and put out something great and attract people? And it was in all kinds of different, you know, different ty- types of businesses. And, you know, yes, I feel like we have gotten to change the world by promoting Jim Rohn's message. But when you're an employer and you have, you know, a team of people, it doesn't matter if you sell tith- toothpicks, you can change people's lives, right? By yeah. being an entrepreneur and creating a company and bringing value. So so you became an entrepreneur, as you said, at age 19. And uh, the business was doing well. Um, and, and I guess it was in your hometown in Vernon? Yes. And you got to a point that at age 26, you had 10 employees, the business was working 24-7. What made you sell it? I actually sold it at 24. and uh, You had handcuffs for two years? I, 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 I started another uh, thing that allowed me to travel. I think what had me sell it was I was never in love with it to begin with. That wasn't, I wasn't a car guy. I wasn't a mechanic. I... It, it was just something I started because I'd had a job in high school. So what led me to sell it were two things. One is that was not my passion. It wasn't what I was good at. It wasn't what I could build upon. And the other was I wanted to move to a bigger city, right? So I lived in a little tiny town. And it was time to, to venture out. So I sold everything. I had a house, a business, sold everything, and uh, moved to Dallas with no plan, candidly. Mm-hmm. So when... When was, you know, the aura, when did you decide um, that mentoring and, and getting into this consulting business um, is, is your path? Was, well, it a, was it a person? Was it an event? 
was it something that you know you passed by and and you know you got that aura on, over your head well i i never so for me david everything has be, begun with building something and so i never have and still don't consider myself you know trying to build a consulting business that's not what i do what i i build things uh and create value and then people do hire me to consult them because i'm very good and i've built a million plus list and sold millions of books and filled up huge rooms and so i'm good at what i do but i still don't have a business model to go teach other people to do that i would rather do it for my own ventures, but people do hire me to consult. So I can't say I've ever had a passion to, to consult. I do because I'm good at it. My passion, again, is still how do I build stuff that brings value that people want? And like I said, I got very serendipitously moved into the seminar world and then to meet Jim Rohn, you know, mm-hmm. to to have that opportunity and Brian Tracy, uh, Ogmandino, you know, I was with Ogmandino five years before he died. It, it was something that was just, you know, life-changing to have those serendipitous relationships, to meet Les Brown in 1994 and Mark Victor Hansen to, to travel around the country with Mark when he's saying, we're going to sell 100 million books talking about chicken soup and they'd only sold 1 million. And to come to find out they ended up selling 600 million Mm -hmm. uh, to be around that kind of thinking, right? Someone that would stretch your rubber band. So it was, I really cannot take credit. The credit I can take was I had a desire to bring value. I had a desire to do the right thing. You know, I had a desire to be my best and I did try and learn, but it's not like I would study a book. I would actually read a page and then go take action. (laughs) I'd read another page. I'm a very action oriented person. Uh, and I always say you learn by doing, right? Yeah. Because yeah. everything I've ever learned has really been by, yes, I get ideas, but then I want to innovate it and make it mine. And uh, and again, I, I think that is that entrepreneurial wiring. Mm-hmm. And, and showing us a little bit about the uh, process or, or the thinking behind uh, chicken soup. Well, that was not my baby. I What they did is they did chicken soup, and then they did the second one and the third one. And then they said, hey, let's do some you know, chicken soup for the mom's soul, chicken soup for the dad's soul. And Mark and I were really close. Uh, I was booking him at my events. I was booking him independently. And I'm talking about Mark Victor Hansen. He said, yeah. Kyle, you pick a topic, and it's yours. And I said, I want to do chicken soup for the entrepreneur's soul. And so... Uh, went out and got 500 stories, got, you know, Wayne Azinga and Michael Dell and uh, uh, Bill Gates. It was incredible. Some of the stories we got, a lot of athletes. But at the end of the day, they had a criteria that if the story wasn't like a, a five-plus heart-centered connect with the heart, it did not make the book. They had a panel of readers. And so some of the, the highest social proof stories we gathered – they wouldn't allow because they had this uh, this blind test that mm-hmm. uh, a panel of 40 people had to grade them. But, you know, I, I look back at Chicken Soup for the Soul, and it was a Jack Canfield idea that Mark Victor Hansen, I think, is one of the great promoters of all time, went out and, you know, took it to the highways and byways, and they just had a phenomenal partnership 
a phenomenal idea. And here's part of the secret sauce to that whole project. Because again, I would be with Mark and Jack when they would be in front of audiences uh, sharing the stories. And it wasn't about them. That's what was, That was kind of cool. It wasn't about Mark. It wasn't about Jack. It was about the stories in the book. And they would share these stories that would really connect with people. And it just became a phenomenon. And I'll tell you, I, I would travel with Mark, and every day he would do two radio or TV interviews. So we would be, you know, at the airport, and he'd have to go to a payphone to do a radio <laughs> interview. But he... You know, he was the the great promoter, and Jack was the great uh, uh, guy on the inside, building the team and and uh, uh, you know managing all the different pieces to it. So, Kyle, we need to take a short uh, pause for our first commercial break. Um, for our listeners, to our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Kyle, and we'll talk about it after the commercial break, uh, open a new tab, go to www.kylewilson.com, sign up. For the 52 lessons Kyle is sharing on his website. I did. It's great. Uh, we will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D I V I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with uh, Taking Care of Business. My guest today, Kyle Wilson, strategist, speaker, marketer, producer, and number one best-selling author. Kyle, um, you know, we are now, what, two or three weeks before the beginning of the new year. And you just mentioned before we went to commercial that, you know, all the books that you're involved are has to do have to do with entrepreneurs, with CEOs, with athletes, with people that, you know, standing right now or thinking right now, what is my budget and what is my sales plan and what is my hiring plan? As a, as a mentor, a strategist, marketer, what will be your recommendation? Um, what is the first step we as entrepreneurs need to do when planning a new year, whether 2019 or later? Yeah, so I've always operated with the plan, do, review philosophy and of course you know everyone has heard of that but I look at it like 
like a football season. Uh, are you a soccer guy or a football guy? Of course, you were both. a general manager for a basketball team, right? <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm so, both. I, I love NFL and I love soccer. <laughs> so you understand sports. So yes. how I look at it is during the season, and I'll use football, that's not the time to typically change coaches, change uh, your offensive scheme, change your defensive scheme, uh, change players. I mean, you tweak, you pivot, but in the off season is when you then evaluate everything, right? It's like pure review. It's like, okay, are we happy with the coach? Are we happy with the players? Do we want to change offenses, change defenses? And that's the review time. And then when it's time to start the season, um, you have a plan and you stick with it. And that's how I've always operated everything I do personally in business is I do have this incubation time of ideas and uh, trying to decide, you know, evaluating the review process. I mean, people ask me about my books. What, what's going to be the book after this book? I'm like, I don't know if I'm even going to do one. I always review. I always question, am I happy um, with what I've, you know, previously done and can we improve it? But that's that's usually after the process. So now is a great time. It's a little bit tricky, David, because most people, especially in the corporate world, are trying to close out the year strong, right? So they have right. numbers they're trying to hit. Uh, me as an entrepreneur, I set goals and, you know, you're trying to hit those goals. If you have profit sharing like I do, you know, you want to make as much money for your, your team as well. So you can write big checks and that's always fun. So you have that challenge of closing the year strong and yet you want to give enough bandwidth that you're planning for the, the future and you're taking a look into the next year. And um, so for me personally, I, I have the opportunity to kind of do what I want. So for me, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. It, it right. can't be about the money. It has to be about something that I feel like um, is what I'm called to do, and I'm really good at it. Uh, what's my secret sauce? What makes me special? And the other thing is, what's working? If something's really working, whether that was highest on my list or not, I'm I'm thinking, okay, well, if people want that, you know, that becomes a priority if if that's really working. So it's a lot of evaluation and then a little bit of, you know, if you have a team, uh, you know, I try and get with my leaders and get their input and we mastermind it and get that, you know, that higher, you know, the power of a mastermind, getting that higher level of thought. Uh, you know, I want to use the analogy you made for sports and, and, and kind of be a devil's advocate to what you said and ask you about it. Um when we sit down and, and prepare the next year, every CEO, every business uh, owner, entrepreneur, and we look at hiring, firing, and we look at the plan for next year, and you know, you, you mentioned change office, change defense. The one thing that the sports world has, and we don't have when we try to hire, is we don't have any stats on the guys we want to, to hire. So... It's more of a question mark, is my change going to help me or not? Because in the sports world, you know, you look at their betting average, uh, how many sacks they had, if it's, uh, if it's uh, football, how many goals they scored, uh, how many times they missed, and, and like the, uh, 
so it's different than in the business world. There's no stats that I can check when I hire the next guy. So how do you encourage the people you work with, the entrepreneurs that you work with, to go for a change if they know, think that they need a change, but they procrastinate because it's easier to stay and not to move, not to move my cheese? Yeah, I think the sports analogy has more to do with there's there's times you're in the middle of trying to execute what you have planned, and then there's times to give that a breather, right, and to do a, a review, and then make your shifts. So now's a great it's you know this the fourth quarter is a great time, and we're at the end of it. But the fourth quarter traditionally is a great time to close out the year strong, but also be looking into the future. So, uh, but to your point, I think as far as hiring people and things like that, culture trumps everything. I've always been a culture guy. Uh, I don't care what's, you know, the success someone's had or any of that. Like I have an inner circle mastermind I do. We have people from all over the world that join and my highest value is culture and are they a good team player do they you know are they a giver i mean we have emmy winners grammy winners we have amazing people but regardless of someone's success if i don't think they're going to fit in and and have a great philosophy again going back to jim Rohn, you know jim Rohn was philosophically driven and so to me everything begins with philosophy and i think from the top down if you have the right philosophy you actually have an advantage in business versus sports. Sports is tougher because you have agents and managers and you have these athletes that it's you're you have less control over culture. But in a traditional business, you have a lot more control uh, to hire based on philosophy and culture versus just pure talent. In my opinion, it's easier to control because it's not. Uh, you know, it's not just pure ability like it, it, it tends to be in sports. In today's world, and, and as you said, we are the fourth quarter. We're probably in our the uh, two-minute uh, warning uh, break. <laughs> two, right. Two-minute uh, uh, two warning, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the biggest challenges you see for entrepreneurs, um, you know, facing 2019 and, and facing the business environment we're in? Well, you know, again, I go back to Jim Rohn and Jim Rohn talked about if you, if you, you know, everything's about sowing and reaping. And if you want a great crop, you have to plant, you have to water and you have to, you know, take care of the the plant. It's going to take time. And I don't, I've never been a quick fix guy, even though I have a sense of urgency to me, everything gets down to, if you want to build something great, it's going to take time. And you have to be intentional. So regardless of someone's circumstances, they're killing it or they're brand new, they have to go into next year saying, how do I bring great value? How do I have a great product? How do I have a great service? How do I bring great value? How do I build something that, you know, 18 months from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, I'm going to be still reaping the benefit. I think too many people get in the transactional business and you're not really building anything if you're just purely thinking transactional. Uh, you and I get the benefit of stuff we did many years ago. You know, in fact, this book that you're part of with me, I'd say 40% of the people have been referred by other people or they're people that are part of my inner circle or part of uh, their people I coach. And that's 
to me, that's building a business versus just trying to tra- you know make transactions. So if people are looking into 2019, 2020, regardless of the challenges, regardless of their circumstances, there's two ways to go. You're either going to think transactional or you're going to think, how do I bring something great to the marketplace? How do I bring better service than my competition? How do I become more valuable than my competition? And I'll survive until I have enough you know, fruit to come. While you're mm-hmm. trying to build your crop, it's a little tricky, but you can't sacrifice what I call principle-based marketing, marketing for tactics that are more transactional. So you being a mentor and a consultant and, and an inspiring person, what is, what is your challenge working with entrepreneurs? Because, uh, and I'll, I'll share my experience. I, sure. I work with a business coach as well. And, you know, sometimes we sit there and I see the answer in front of me and I, you know, say it loud and we put it in writing. But then you get into the minutiae of the day-to-day stuff. And so what is your challenge or how do you deal with the challenge of getting an entrepreneur to think beyond the bottom line? Yeah, you have to be intentional, right? You have to block out the time to be intentional and work you know, on your business and not in your business, stuff that goes all the way back to Dan Sullivan, uh, who's, you know, was a guy, Mark Victor Hansen, and I used to go to his strategic coach back in the 90s, uh, a Canadian uh, as well, you know, Dan. And, um, you know, it's just being intentional to say, I want to build something uh, that's going to last and that's going to take a little bit of thought. You can't be in reactive mode. And, I think having a morning practice, you know, being able to meditate, being able to have personal development time and read puts you in that reflective mode versus reaction mode. And so a lot of people don't block out the time, whether it's their own personal development or it's their own planning or having a coach, uh, because it's it's like everything else. You're not going to do it one time and then solve all the problems. It's a daily uh, routine you have to go through. You know, that's why I think goal setting is powerful, but you do have to take a look every day at like what kind of life do you want to build? And I think part of it, David, is, you know, if people are new at this, they haven't discovered that just making money is going to make them happy, right? You have to almost have gone through it to realize building a big company or making a lot of money or having success, you know, can, you know, that's not going to check all the boxes for you. And once you figure that out, you you realize significance is important and a big piece of it. And then it's like, okay, how do I build something that's going to be great, which I think is the fastest way to get to all your goals anyway. It's just going to take a little longer, but at least you're building something that will multiply. I see too many people that aren't building something that's going to multiply. They're hunters. They're out hunting every day versus building, you know, Versus being farmers, right? And creating a crop or creating a great wine that's going to take time, but it's going to multiply. Let's talk about your 52 lessons. Um, that's how I got to know you. Um, I was, uh, when I interviewed uh, Chad, uh, that was uh, in your book, um, and um, I got connected through the 52 uh, free lessons that you share with uh, everyone that is uh, going on your website. So what, what's behind that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I sold all my companies, 
and had a five-year non-compete and retired, became a Mr. Mom. And when I came back <laughs> out like uh, four years ago and said, what do I want to do? Um, I thought, I'm a big believer and you have to build an audience. And then now you're fishing because you build an audience and you talk to your audience versus trying to you know hunt. And so I thought, what, what would be a great way to build an audience? So I thought of all the experiences I, I've had that really, in many ways, make me pretty unique because I've gotten to work with these iconic uh, speakers and thought leaders. So uh, I would think of a, a lesson that had really served me well that I learned from John Maxwell or learned from Paul J. Meyer or Les Brown or Darren Hardy or Robin Sharma, Jim Rohn, of course, Brian Tracy, of course, Jeffrey Gittimer. And these, I'm not taking their lesson and re-saying it, I'm taking the lesson I learned from them or the experience we had together that I came away with a life-changing lesson that, you know, is my own lesson. So it's truly, really my lessons that I learned through these collaborations and, and the influence. Uh, you know, Paul J. Meyer, most people probably don't know who he is, but he was, uh, you know, the founder of SMI. He was one of the very earliest guys in personal development, you know, and he would tell me a short-term goal for him was 10 years. And he really got me thinking about long-term. And he had 41 companies. And he would say, you know, most people, uh, when they delegate, they're actually relegating. He's like, delegating for him was mentoring and making people earn it. And he said, you had to inspect what you expected. And that really changed me as a leader. Uh, John Maxwell said, people want to win. And at the time, you know, my company was bleeding and I would go in grumpy and I would say, hey, we got to make sales and we got to do this and we got to do that versus going in and being positive and being a leader and, and having faith and, you know, uh, helping people feel good about themselves. And so, you know, that that was another lesson. And so Jim Rohn, of course, so many incredible lessons Uh the first lesson I share in 52 Lessons is Jim talking about it takes time to build something great. And that probably, you know, is one of the most valuable lessons to me. Brian Tracy, by the way, I think it's the second or third lesson is getting the plane off the ground. And I was this 29-year-old uh, young promoter and Brian said, uh, you know, success is like getting a plane off the ground. In the beginning, you're going 80, 90 miles an hour down the runway trying to get the plane off the ground, and it's burning up tons of fuel, but you're still on the runway. But once you get the plane off the ground in the air and you're at 30,000 feet, you're going 500 miles an hour, burning less fuel. And he said most people spend their whole life on the runway going 80 miles an hour, burning up massive fuel because they're never willing to pay that price. Uh, for two to three years. And he said, Kyle, I highly encourage you take two to three years and pay the price and get that plane off the ground where you're going 500 miles an hour. And that will forever change your life. And that really impacted me, right? So it's just those type of lessons. You know, Mark, Victor Hansen stretching my rubber band about they're going to sell 100 million books. Yeah. Um, the other thing that kind of drew my attention uh, on your website was uh, your inner circle. Um, and uh, when I look at some of the names, you kind of think, oh, there's nothing common between those people. There's a colonel, a PGA guy, a, a Grammy winner, 
a real estate developer. So from you know first look, you go, what's what's common for those guys? So share with us a little bit about your inner circle group. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, I you know my default could have been I could have created a marketing group, um, but the reason I start my inner circle. Uh, David was for myself. I went on a ski trip with my friends, uh, Darren Hardy and John Asaraf and a couple other guys, and they were all part of a, a, a mastermind in San Diego, a private group. And I was the, the lone non-San Diegoing uh, there, <laughs> right, from, from Dallas. <clears throat> Darren wanted me to come, and of course, I've known John for 20 years. And um, I said, you know, what you guys are doing is incredible. I feel like I'm in the desert here in Dallas. They said, well, go start your own. So I came back and I invited my longtime friend, Ron, Ron White, who's the two-time U.S. memory champion, and I was Ron's agent before I sold my companies. I invited my longtime friend, Robert Helms. He's got the number one real estate podcast. And, you know, I just started kind of this eclectic group. And simultaneously, I started one in Los Angeles. I had a 15-year Grammy nominee or uh, William Morris agent and uh, had a 20-year entrepreneur friend. Uh, and so it was this very two eclectic groups, and it wasn't based on teaching anything. It was based on creating the synergy with, you know, the entrepreneur. Um, they're all entrepreneurs. Even the Grammy winner, the Emmy winner, they're, they're entrepreneurs, right? Uh, and so it, that's the backdrop is we're entrepreneurs. We come and support each other. I have pretty cool guests, and it has a marketing default for the for the most part. I see. Well, we reached our second commercial break. Uh, you can check out uh, kylewilson.com and learn more about uh, Kyle and his activities and mentoring. And we will be back following the commercials. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guest, Kyle Wilson, strategist, speaker, marketer, producer, and number one best-selling author. Kyle, before we went to commercial, we were discussing uh, a lot of entrepreneurship and and, uh, how to uh, mentor or or help entrepreneurs and your ideas on what we should do. But one question before we go to other topic is, uh, or the last question I have in regards to this is, we hear a lot about um, core values, mission, vision, purpose, how important is it for a business uh, to have it? Because I've, during my interviews, I've I've met some entrepreneurs that don't even know what those words are and never had it. Yeah, I think I think it's very important, but I think it also has to be authentic. So I think big companies have to have it, but it's not always authentic, right? It's it's more of a, you know, check in the box. I think for a small company, it's incredibly important. And I remember, you know, I had a business with 20 employees that no one really cared about the business. It was all me. I was the rainmaker. And I got so frustrated. It was so painful. And that's when I took on John Maxwell's advice and Paul J. Meyer. And I added profit sharing and I added a review system, a 10-point review Uh, That's really powerful. If someone wanted it, they could email me and I'd send it to them. But uh, this 10-point review created some accountability. And from there, uh, with those two things, and we added a celebration too. So profit sharing was individual-based. Celebration was team-based. We set goals. And I would actually have my team set the goals. And um, I got very centric about my team writing the mission statement, my team uh, setting the goals, getting them involved. And it took a little bit of time, but when it was all said and done, David, it's, I think my biggest accomplishment I feel was because I am a marketer, I am a entrepreneur, but I wasn't a leader. I wasn't, uh, uh, that, that was my weakness. And I kept trying to hire that away and it never worked. And I had to actually go become it. And uh, we really did. And a big part of it was getting my team involved and having them write the mission statement. Me, me listen to them and me try and really get that out of them. And uh, so I think it's got to it's got to begin at the top down, but it has to involve your key people. And it can't just be trying to check off a box. It has to come from an authentic place. Uh, you know, if you're if you're not taking care of your team, your team's not going to take care of your customers. So right. great customer service begins with, you know, having great leadership among the company with your team. And as a mentor, as a consultant, when you work with entrepreneurs that have the mission, uh, vision, purpose, core values, in some offices they have it, uh, you know, on the walls. Um, how do you help entrepreneurs take it from the wall and 
to the office itself, to, to the ground level, to the floor, to the employees, and not just leave it as a, as a nice piece on the wall? Well, you know, I think, again, it just gets back to intention and it gets down to leadership. And we as entrepreneurs sometimes struggle with some of this stuff, right? We struggle with we're the rainmaker in, in many cases, we're the architect, but we're also, we also have to be the, you know, the, the person that creates that culture. So I think it has to become a team effort and um, a little bit of checks and balances, right? The, the owner has to be able to listen to his team and get their feedback. And that's where I see it go wrong. I see the, you know, it's on the wall, it's, it's in the handbook, they talk about it. But the culture is horrible, and it's typically, um, you know, you, you don't have the ability to actually have that conversation with the owner, right? There's not that that yeah. uh, reciprocal type of communication going on. And I think the owner or the entrepreneur just has to hit enough pain, have enough challenges that they're willing to address that part of them. And I'm speaking for that's how it happened with me. I want it result. Be an entrepreneur, you want the result. And at some right. time, everything was working but my team. Mm-hmm. Um, when we kind of had a commercial break, you kind of gave me some positive criticism. And I would like you to share it with uh, everybody else because uh, I took it to heart and I took it to heart in a positive way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some people uh, have a problem with positive criticism. I, last week or two weeks ago, I had I had interviewed a lady that was broadcasting for 37 years, and I tried her to give me some <laughs> some positive criticism, and she was too polite. Canadians, right? We are too polite, so she didn't give me any any kind of uh, good feedback or, or positive uh, criticism. So, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and, and share with the audience what you told me during the break? Well, I'm smiling because it wasn't criticism at all. Uh, it was. <laughs> It a was, suggestion. Uh, it was mentoring piece. <laughs> yeah, it was suggestion. Uh, no, I I know your story, David. Right, because we've had a separate conversation. We're working on a project together, so I know your incredible entrepreneurial story. It's amazing, and I suggested that you share that at the beginning of every. Just like you gave my bio, you have to give your bio because people don't know it. And you said, "Well, hey." You know, two years ago, I did a show on it. Well, you know, that the new people don't know that. So within the first 20 seconds of every show, it's got to say, you know, just your three or four bullet points of what you've accomplished, what you've done. And that's called social proof. And so if you don't mind, can I just kind of run with this topic for a minute? Because I think this would be really helpful for the audience. Of course. So I'm a big, yeah, I'm a big and, and just just one second, Kyle. And you, if you can elaborate about social proof for an in, for the entrepreneur, not just the guy who broadcasts. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to generalize now. So you know, when people say, "Where do I live?" You know, I say Dallas, but not you know, you. It's hard to get to me, right? My schedule's packed. It, it doesn't really matter. But where I live twenty four seven is my website. Where I live twenty four seven is Instagram and Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. And so when people go to your website, when they go to your social media, it's in, it's imperative that you have social proof. In fact, I have four things I say everyone should have on their website. And if you want, I can. I think this would be valuable to the audience and I can be brief. 
you know, the first thing is you want a mystique. You want people to go and say, wow, okay, that's a, that's a cool looking picture. That That's something unique. And it's got to be um, a mystique to you. And this goes back to my Jim Rohn days, how I would promote Jim. He was bigger than life. I had a mystique. Second thing is you want three key bullet points that describe who you are. And typically those three key bullet points are going to have woven in social proof, They're going to have woven in your secret sauce, what makes you unique, and they're also going to talk to your avatar. Who's the audience you're trying to reach when they go? I'm not trying to reach everyone. I I know who my avatar is, so I'm going to have my three or four bullet points about that. The third thing is I want social proof. And so for my website, I'm over the top with it because it is part of my secret sauce. You know, when you have Brian Tracy and Dennis Waitley and Jim Rohn and Robin Sharma, uh, Grammy winners, Emmy winners, giving you really positive uh, quotes. And these aren't just nice quotes. These are, you know, you made me a million dollars or whatever it is, or, you know, we've worked together 20 years. I'm going to scream that from the mountaintop. And here's why. It's what makes me unique. Not everyone can say that. So you have to pick the things that make you unique. If you're an entrepreneur or if you're a business owner, what makes you unique? Where do, where do you have a testimonial or social proof that really stands out? So you need that. And then the fourth thing is you do need some sort of opt-in, you know, some, some way for people to engage with you. For me, it's my 52 lessons. And uh, so I think what I just described is, is what I have on my website. I think it's a pretty good example. But social proof is what you know, makes you unique. And here's the thing. When I say it, I'm bragging. When you say it about me, it's proof, right? Yes. And so you want to, now again, when you're, you don't even have to be the one that reads it. The show can begin with the voice of God, right? Telling your story, but everyone needs to know it. And then you need to reiterate, uh, like when I help people with books or we're telling a story, I'm like, you have to weave in social proof throughout the book, only because it works. It, it, it's No one wants to brag. You know, you don't want to brag. I don't want to brag. But I do want results. It is part of being, it's why we do all this stuff is to get results. And I tell people that are a little bit reluctant to get out there on social media. In fact, I had lunch yesterday with a 10-year NFL player, multiple Super Bowl rings. The guy is incredible, was in the military as well. An amazing guy. And he's like, I don't want to say it about myself. And I'm like, that's okay. I get it. But the bigger question is, how much influence do you want to have? That's the only question I have for people is how much influence do you want to have? Because when you're worried about someone judging you, and I'm not talking you, David, I'm talking about our audience. When we're worried about someone judging us, the person that would judge us for tooting our horn they're not going to do business with us. But someone else that hears it for the first time goes, oh, my God, that's exactly what I need. Or your post really inspired me. And so I'm always thinking, who am I supposed to be reaching, not who's going to get offended by me putting myself out there? And it all gets down to this thing about influence. Kyle, we have less than three minutes before we have to close the show. And I have a few short uh, questions. Maybe the sure. answers will be a little bit longer. But how do you measure your success? Yeah, I, it's different. You know, in the past, I would have goals and I would check them off and mine became very team oriented. You know, I felt like I hit all my personal goals, but we weren't hitting our team goals. And so they all became very much team oriented. But uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, 
I think, you know, there, there's some health goals I'm way behind on. Um, <laughs> my family goals are my highest. Doesn't mean they're always working, but that's still my highest intention. And my business goals, I'm I'm patient with because that's not what drives me anymore. It used to at one time. So, um, so I think I think it's okay for life to fluctuate. You know, it's nice. whatever's important to you. Um, what keeps you awake at night? Well. It would have been worrying about, you know, things I can't control with family, right? <clears throat> you have grown kids and they're out and about, they're living their life. And so that that's truly kind of the only thing that keeps me awake at night is <laughs> if you're worrying about those you care about. I see. And, and you know, one question <laughs> is that I have and that I ask every uh, person I interview, what have you learned about yourself through this journey from starting selling at age six and the empire you run today? Uh, I think the biggest thing is that there is no destination. That every It's every day, right? Like no matter what you achieve, no matter what you do, there's things that are going to bring you right back to this moment of I can't control another person. I can't control outcomes. <clears throat> and all I can really do is work on my own my own you know, personal development, my own spiritual life. And so having that, you know, for me, having a meditation practice, having a, a reading practice, having uh, friends in my life I can talk to and realizing what I read today is not going to change my life permanently. You know, it's it's all, this is all a process. Every day we start over and whatever you've messed up in the past, you get to start over right now. And whatever you've succeeded in the past, you start over right now. All, you know, past success, it's great, but that doesn't guarantee anything going forward if I'm not going through the, the proper habits. And so I think that's the biggest thing for me, David. I, I thought there was always a destination, and now I know there's not. It's <laughs> daily living this stuff. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. We reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, thank you again, Kyle, uh, strategist, marketer, producer, speaker, and number one selling author for being my guest this morning, sharing with us your experience and guiding us how we should prepare for uh, a new year, the year 2019. Thank you all for tuning in. Your feedback via email is very important for us. Please keep on emailing me your feedback as well as guest suggestions at dvwallachgmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Aaron. I'll dedicate it. Sorry? Sorry. Oh, I was saying thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you, Aaron, our dedicated engineer, Sasha, my assistant executive producer. Uh, I'd like to wish you all, you know, everybody that is celebrating Christmas, a Merry Christmas, and to all listeners, a Happy New Year. Happy, healthy, prosperous New Year. I'll meet you here at voiceamerica.com slash variety. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.